the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is the word to stand on for life with Pastor Ron Arbaugh. Your word is sharper than any two-edged sword. And it cuts deep into my heart. The word to stand on for life is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel in San Antonio. A live call-in show here to help you answer your questions about the Bible and how to apply the Word to your daily life. For more information on Calvary Chapel, visit our website, calvarysa.com. Get your Bible questions ready and call in now to 210-340-9585. It's The Word to Stand On for Life with Pastor Ron Arbaugh. Thank you for tuning into the show. As you know by now, this is Thursday. This is the date day edition of the Word to Stand On for Life. I'm Pastor Ron Arbaugh from Calvary Chapel in San Antonio, Texas. And live in studio with me is my beautiful wife, Paula. And she looks especially brilliant today. Like she's got some stuff that's dying to come out. I don't know. Um, But thanks for tuning in. If you have any questions or calls, and ladies, this is a day we set aside especially for you. We'll take other questions and calls as well. But anything that you have uh, that you need encouragement with, uh, just dial 210-340-9585. That's 340-9585 if you're outside the local San Antonio area. You can call toll-free at 877-630-KSLR, numerically at 630-5757. You can email questions to us by emailing questions at calvarysa.com, or you can send them in via our free Calvary Chapel of San Antonio mobile app. If you're driving in your car, I want to remind you every day that the safest way to call is to use the free KSLR mobile app. Just hit the Call Now banner at the top of the screen, and then you can use your hands-free system and be completely safe, and that's what we want. One more time for the main number is 340-9585. Paula, welcome to the show today. Thank you, sir. We get to hang out all day, so it's not like I'm welcoming you for the first time. I know. Every time you say that, I've been with you all day, for the most part, every Thursday, right? Because it's... That's our date day. Date day, yes. And I love date day. When did we start that? How long ago was that? We, I know we were in the apartment complex, and uh, I remember the Lord having to tell you, okay, thank you so much for cleaning the apartment for her because she gets really sick with the chemicals and stuff, and yet you were cleaning the apartment on Thursday, and, and I was kind of whining to the Lord and saying, what kind of date day is this? <laughs> so, I was busy. You know, when we so had, that's when yeah. the Lord told you, but I don't know the exact date. But that was so that's 24 years ago. At least, yeah. And, and when, uh, when, you know, we had a tiny, tiny little church, uh, it seemed I was busier then than I am now because the, the counseling demand and, and uh, you know, people wanting to get to know us. Uh, and uh, I remember very vividly that conviction. God said, uh, no, this is a day for you two. We don't have to do anything special, but we just have to be together, which is special. Yeah. And uh, so we started date day. So when we were... Uh, solicited about doing this program years ago now. Mm-hmm. We had to sit down and talk. Said, Paul, you know this is going to change our lives. It's mm-hmm. every day at 4 o'clock. Mm-hmm. And uh, actually the first year it was in the morning, 9.30 or 10.30 or something like that. And it was just 30 minutes. And it was a 30-minute program. Mm-hmm. And then when, when it was extended to a, an hour and moved into the afternoons, I just said, you know, Paul, a date day is Thursday. And that means this is going to have to change. So we're going to have to do something on the radio and you were mad at me for saying you got to be on the radio. I was like, they didn't ask me to be on the radio. Yeah. You know, we could we could catch up again after five o'clock. But it's date day. Yes, date day. So we've been doing the date day edition now for a little over six years, and yikes! Only time you've ever missed is when you're out of town. Yep. Yeah. For the most part, and sometimes then we'll have Wacky Wednesday. 
you know, or Funny Friday, so I can make up for the, the Thursday that I'm not here. <laughs> Every once in a while, it's it's fun, and I've, I've settled settled down and settled in. You're a great host, so you make you make me comfortable, and and I've gotten free to say, I don't know. If I don't know the answer, I don't know. So I'm good. I remember once I was just teasing with you, and I said, you know, Paula, I think I've got a, an idea for the show today. I'm just going to give you all the really hard questions. <laughs> and look on your face. And, just kidding. Just yeah, kidding. Yeah, yeah. Right. yeah. No, I'll be all right. It's been fun doing the program. It has been. And, and the prayer is always that um, the listeners would be encouraged, yeah. you know, uh, whether it's encouraged to leave their sinful life and get saved and or if you're already saved. To let the Lord, um, and this has been my new thing. Here it is, Pastor Ron. You ready? Another new thing. Yeah, because you know he he's always working in and that that scripture that says he who began the good work in you will be faithful to complete it. Well, there's my here's my new thing. Okay, Lord, I prayed this maybe about a month ago, and who is he ever faithful? Uh, cleanse me from the inside out. And I was asking him, should I talk about that today in a way? Because you know it's like, should you talk about the trial you're in? And it was like, you're going to be in this trial till you're face to face with me. <laughs> so if you're going to wait to talk about it, you're going to never talk about it. And so, um, so that's been my new, my new phrase, plans me from the inside out instead of just, you know, layers from the outside so that, you know, I look better to people. When you've been teaching, you know, we can fool people or we can look good in front of people, but God knows everything. And so, Lord, you know, it, it plans me from the inside out. You know what's in my heart and stuff, and you know even even there's times when, when you can pray, and uh, the Lord will say, "Well, let's deal with this today," and then you can get busy and say, "No, I, I, I'm busy." <laughs> Not convenient right now. Yeah, I don't want to go that deep. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, Paula, and uh, don't don't forget where you are, and I'll keep keep the thought process where you're headed uh, fresh in your mind. But uh, I'm 66. You know. yeah. Let me write that down yeah. so I can make sure to keep it fresh in my mind. Well, one of the real problems that, <laughs> that people in the church have is their unwillingness to really let God convict them. You know, we open the Bible and we start to get convicted. We know what that feels like. Um, you know, we can think of a million other things we got to do right then. Um, and or, or or we just rationalize it. Well, you know, I was I, I read the word today and God's God's dealing with me. But then we don't let him finish dealing with us. Uh, and uh, we have a tendency to look at other people's behavior uh, because that makes it much easier to ignore our own. And um, the, the one thing we had to do, I talked about this a little bit in a different context in our study last night. Um, one of the things that we've got to do is we've got to be available to the Lord for him to say, um, I want this part of you or I, I want this to change. Or um, you you said this and it sounded right, but that wasn't me. Whatever the, the circumstance is. And, you know, it's in those times when we realize that God is dealing with us. And then we've got to make the decision whether or not we're going to let him do it. Or we're going to insulate ourselves from um, any further or deeper conviction of the spirit. Yeah. Um and so this cleansing me from the inside out, you know, uh, uh, a few years back, and I've told this story on, from the inside out, mm-hmm, yeah, yeah. And, and I'm like, I, I can't remember it, but yeah, cleansing from the inside out, uh, and I should remember it, but right now. From the inside out. Mm-hmm. See, that's as close to singing as I get. <laughs> and I wish I could name that tune in three notes, but I, I really can't. <laughs> but my notes are off key. <laughs> oh, maybe that's it. No, that wasn't it. Um but a few years uh, back, you know, I was on the Stairmaster, and Jocelyn was just talking to me, just normal conversation. And it was that time when my, my brother was going to come here. Remember that? And um, all of a sudden, as I'm telling her, you know, a story about my brother and stuff, I could feel kind of like my lip go up because I was disgusted about something. And it was like the Lord said, today's a good day. Let's deal with that. And... Um, you know, then Jocelyn, she gets off the Stairmaster, and I'm still on the Stairmaster as she walks away. And I'm like, oh, man, Lord, I thought I dealt with this already, kind of a thing. Um, and sort of, but not completely. And so 
uh, there was some unforgiveness still lingering there because as I told the story, and then you can tell your story, you can tell your your testimony kind of a thing, but the same disgust or disappointment, anger was still there. And the Lord was saying, I want you to give that whole thing to me. And so that was one of those, you know, Lord cleanse me from the inside out. Um, yes, I'm, trying, I'm trying to get the tune. Uh, but yeah. I've got it in my mind. I just can't communicate. <laughs> yeah, don't try. That's just maybe one of these days it'll come and, and then it'll, 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 we don't need to sing it, right? No. Okay, good. Um, but anyway, yeah. So he's always in the in the business of cleansing us from the inside out because he wants closer fellowship with him. And when you when you have those little barbs in there, it kind of keeps him at arm's length where he's really wanting uh, to move into every area of the heart and not have any of those doors slammed in his face like, nope. I am going to hold on to my unforgiveness in this area, Lord. I know you love me, and I know you'll forgive me, and you're taking me to heaven, but I'm okay with holding on to the unforgiveness in this particular area. And he says, well, I'm not. And, you know, you've gone around this mountain before. Why don't we stop going around that mountain and take care of this so you could go up the mountain instead of going around in circles? And so, As Jocelyn walked away, she had no idea all that was going on. (laughs) But it was a really cool thing. And then I was talking with her the other day. And and there are some people that when you're talking, just having regular conversation, um, it's almost like the Lord is right there saying, pay attention, listen up. I'm going to say something right now that, you know, like when I come to church. um, The reason I love coming to all three services is because it gives the Lord enough time for me to stop looking around at, ooh, that would really, that what he just said, that's for her. <laughs> or what he just said, that's for, that situation. I just finished talking about this very thing. I hope they're paying attention to Pastor Ron as he's talking right now. It's like the Lord said, you're going to get this in third service. Because <laughs> <laughs> really, first service, second service, and third service is really offering me. I could go up to the altar call Every every Sunday, every service, Pastor Ron, just so you know. And I know you're not just aiming your your studies just to me. I mean, you could tell me at home, but um, there are some days where, yeah, I could go up to the altar every time. Paul, you know I'm of the opinion, and um, um, when I make sweeping comments like this, I want people to be sure that, that this is my perspective. Uh, it's like Paul when he said, I say to you, not the Lord. Well, well, I'm saying something that I think in practice um, has proven itself to be true. Um, whenever you're looking out at other people, um, that's the unholy spirit. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and the purpose of the unholy spirit is to drive you away from the Lord, to, to, to separate you from intimate fellowship, uh, to, to steal from you mm-hmm. the fullness that God has for you. And it's so easy for us as humans because we look at other people who are really irritating or other people who have really, really um, um, terrible lives where they're doing things and our first response is, and you call yourself a Christian. Um, Whenever we're looking at other people, even though we think that we have a reason to and a right to, Mm -hmm. um, that's the unholy spirit that's leading and and we need to repent of that so that the real Holy Spirit can speak to your heart. And when we judge somebody else for something that we're doing, the very first thing we want to repent of is is thinking more highly of ourselves than we ought. Yep. And, you know, those of us who think we are more mature as believers, uh, we're held to a higher standard of accountability. And so if I do something that somebody might consider minor, um, and somebody else who may be a, an immature Christian or relative new Christian does something that just is offensive. Um, by me pointing it out, I'm, I'm judging myself. Mm-hmm. And uh, what I've done is a greater offense to God than what the new believer has done. E- even if it's a lifestyle that we don't like, and we look at somebody and we just think, how could they do that? Or how could they think that? They listen to the way they're talking. And what God wants us to do is say, Lord, 
my righteousness is as a filthy rags. Yeah. You know, and I, when we think we're righteous, we better be careful because when we think we stand, Paul says, that's when we fall. Yeah. There's sometimes uh, wrong when that is happening, you know, because we have this enemy who wants us to think wrongly. And it's kind of like, you know, Lord, search my heart and then something will happen or somebody will walk by and it's like squirrel looking over there at them. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and so you can get off focus in that. But the, the phrase that I can sometimes when I'm walking in the spirit and or um, the Holy Spirit is like psst, psst, um, there but for the grace of God go I. You know, the fact that yeah, but see, intellectually, we all know that's true, mm-hmm. but we don't believe that for a minute. Not not all the time. I'm better than he is, or I'm better than she is, or I would never fall into that sin, or mm-hmm. how dare she dress like that, or how mm-hmm. dare he drink, or mm-hmm. whatever it is. And yeah. we have a tendency, you know, we, we had a, a man, and this has repeated itself several times over the years, but we had a man who loved the Lord with all of his heart. And... um um you know, I'd, I'd come into church in the morning and he'd be standing out smoking a cigarette. Now, you and I, we hadn't seen Christian smoke. Yeah, until we uh, came to Texas. Yeah. Huh? In, in California, the churches were all smoke-free zones and, and it was just one of the things you just noticed there weren't people who were smoking. And mm-hmm. it's a different environment, I understand mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, every time he would see me, see him smoking, he would apologize and ask for forgiveness. Mm-hmm. And I said, you don't have to ask me for forgiveness. I'm not the one that you're going to stand. Has God told you that you need to stop smoking? And his answer was, well, yeah, but... Mm. And I said, but if he's told you to do that, he'll provide the ability to do it. Mm -hmm. So this isn't between you and me. I love you. I'm crazy about you. But if Jesus says, put down a cigarette, you've got to do it for him because he has ministry opportunities for you that you're missing out on now. And... um, you know, we live in a in a world where as long as people think I'm okay, then I'm okay. Instead of what God knows. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we've been in the prophecy of Isaiah for some time now on yeah. Wednesday nights. And, um, you know, the people could look around and see their circumstances. Um, they knew in their heart of hearts that what Isaiah was saying to them was true. And still, they pushed in some deep, dark corner so they can continue living the way they've always been living. Not have to make any sacrifices or not have to let loose of any relationships and whatever it was, even even the worship of false gods back in Isaiah's day. And they did it under the veneer of serving God, mm-hmm. religion. And, um, you know, the one thing God wants all of us to do is be honest every single day. And so, Lord, you know everything about me. Why am I trying to hide anything from you? Why am I pretending? Why do I think that, well, if Pastor Ron doesn't see me smoking, I'm okay? And it's just one of those things that we really have to focus on. Jesus, this is just about you and me. And if you want to talk to me about anybody else, it will be to tell me to go love them, to go pray for them, to go help them, to, to maybe deliver a word of knowledge or word of wisdom or just some something to help them to edify their lives. Mm-hmm. And instead, what we do is we pick on all the stuff that they're doing that we don't agree with, uh, and all the while we're justifying what we do. Guilty. I mean, that's, that's just yeah. the human condition. Yeah. And and uh, for for me, and you know this because we've talked about this many times, but the saddest thing that happens to me every week is three services on Sunday in particular. When I know that God is speaking to people and the Spirit is telling me, wait, there's people out there I'm dealing with and I'll give an invitation. And when the invitations concern making changes today, I have to make a commitment to get rid of this relationship and make a commitment to stop drinking or stop smoking dope. I've got to I've got, to, I've got to make a change today. People just sit on their hands. If it's a general invitation, you know, everybody comes forward, but then they leave without making any changes at all. They leave the same person that they came here with. And I know God loves them, and I know he's going to keep speaking to them, but it kills me 
that they could leave here renewed and choose not to. Yeah. It kills me. Yeah. And yet that's sort of the norm in church in the West. Mm-hmm. Maybe persecution would be a good thing for the church for that very reason. It would force us to deal honestly with our sin and to depend entirely on God, stripping away all pretense. Mm. Three four zero ninety five eighty five. If you have any questions, um, toll free. You can call at eight seven seven six three zero KSLR. Paula. Yeah, and I was thinking as well with um, so many people that come to church, and you think about maybe only half of the people that come here are saved. Is that what? That's the. My, that, that's my opinion. Wow. That's scary. That is truly born again. They're good people. They're, mm-hmm. they're, they're people we care about love and love deeply. Mm-hmm. But um, the question is, are you born again? And a lot of those people, well, I was raised in church. That's not the response. Yeah, I've seen my own filth. I've seen the depravity of my own mind and heart. Mm-hmm. And you know what? The only way for me to deal with that is to, to let Jesus have all of me. Mm-hmm. And I just think there's so many professing believers in the professing Christian church who are holding back so much from the Lord that it terrifies me of the possibility that some of those people who've been here week after week, year after year, really aren't born again. Depart from me, for I never knew you. That, for a pastor, is the single most difficult thing to deal with every day. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, but at the same time, thinking, or same time thinking, but at the same time knowing that God is faithful in all that the Father has given him, he has not lost one. You know, that's John seventeen twelve. And so, uh, what you've been saying for years is, as long as the people keep coming, they keep hearing, and there's as long as there's breath, there's an opportunity for them to be saved. And so um, how do you balance that out? You know, as you come to church Wednesday, Friday, three services, Sunday, and still thinking that there's 50%, I'm kind of almost going to answer my own question, is because every single time you teach, you give an altar call. Yep, every time. Yeah. The Lord's made sure... That that's something he wants me to do, and mm-hmm. and and I've been faithful to do it. You know, in the in the Isaiah uh, study, uh, Paul, I keep making mention of the fact that the people that Isaiah is prophesying to, that he's telling the truth to, all of the wonderful and glorious promises that are made in the entire prophecy throughout the whole thing, from the very beginning to the to the end of Isaiah, sixty six chapters. None of those promises had any value for the people who lived. And heard Isaiah because they rejected him. Mm-hmm. Terrible thing. Mm-hmm. Let's pick this up, Paula, but let's go take a phone call first. We've got Andy from San Antonio on line one. Andy, thanks for calling. You're on the air. Hey, hi, Pastor. Hi, Andy. Can you hear me? Okay. I can hear yeah, you well. Listen now. Um, I was at Walmart uh, two days ago and, you know, just waiting for my wife. You know, she was shopping. And all of a sudden, the a uh, man comes behind me and says, uh, uh, can I tell you about uh, uh, God created men and women? And I, didn't, I didn't even look in his face. I said, oh, yeah, what's going on? So he started telling me about, you know, that he created men, not only men, but women and this and that and that and that. So, you know, he kept on, he kept on, and he was, you know, taking me to Scripture here and Scripture there. And think, the only thing that, that upset me or that got me or that confused me was he said that that you can't lead anybody to Christ until the Passover uh, uh, only on the Passover day? I said, "What?" I said, "What do you mean?" He goes, "Yeah." I said, "So are you trying to tell me if 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 I want to minister to someone and they want to accept Christ, I can't do it?" He goes, "No." I said, "Well, wait a minute. What are you?" He goes, "What do you mean?" I said, "Yeah. What are you? Are you?" A JW? Are you a Seven Days Adventist? Uh, no, he goes. I'm a Christian. I said a Christian. I said, let me tell you something. I've been. I said I've been. I've been serving the Lord for twenty some years, 
I said, and that, the first time I hear about it, I said, I listen to pastors. I said, through the radio and my pastor. And I said, I've never heard that. I said, where does it come? And then he took me to some, I, I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry that I don't remember the scripture, but he said something about shedding his blood. And uh, for, for whatever reason, he goes, that's why we can't, we can't uh, take uh, people that want to accept Christ in their heart because only, only it's got to be on a Passover, uh, Passover day. I said, okay, well. And then he goes, that's why uh, all these pastors are, are deceived and also because they don't, yeah. they don't observe uh, the Sabbath day. And I heard, I heard that that you know that we're supposed to uh, uh, church on on Saturday and not on Sunday, and you know. Andy, all do, all Andy, do me a favor. We're Andy, do me a favor. We're coming up against a hard break, so either stay on the line or listen because I'm going to address this on the other side of the break. Thank you for calling three four zero ninety five eighty five. This is the date day edition of the Word to Stand On for Life. We'll be back in two minutes. Back to the word to stand on for life. We're taking your calls at 340-9585 or toll-free 877-630-KSLR. Now, here's Pastor Ron Arbaugh. Welcome back to the show. We have 30 minutes left in the date day edition of the program. We'd love your live questions and calls. 340-9585. Andy, um, one of the things that I want to I want to say to you. Uh, you did the, the best thing you could do when somebody approaches you and they're just weird. Um, there's always an agenda. We have people who try to call the radio program and advance their agenda. And of course we do our best to keep them off the air. We have one guy who keeps calling from pay phones and changing his name and disguising. He's always got an agenda. So, so the, the one thing you want to do when you're talking to anybody, especially as you're witnessing to somebody is you want to find out where are you coming from? Who are you? What are you representing? And you did that. When you asked him, uh, what are you, a JW, or, or he says, I'm a Christian, um, you understood that. Now, it is likely that this guy was a Seventh-day Adventist. I've heard similar arguments. But here's the thing that we need to understand is we don't need to spend time in debate with people who simply don't know what they're talking about. It's just that simple. And... um God bless you. You pray for him. Uh, if he's if he's interested in 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 engaging in meaningful dialect, then then we can sit and talk. I'll talk with somebody as long as they really want to hear the truth. But when they've got an agenda, they're going to press the agenda. They say the Bible says this, or they and they always go to these obscure passages. Well, then that's a very fruitless conversation at that point. So. What you did was a good thing. You engaged him. That was a good thing. You tried to identify where he was coming from. That's the only way that we can determine whether or not we're wasting our time or not. So thank you for that. And when you get the the, the, the Seventh-day proponents, the Sabbath um, proponents, um, they are usually just dug in. And what it demonstrates is that they have no understanding of how to study their Bible. And so we love them, we pray for them, of course we're kind to them, but uh, thank you for being willing to engage. Let's take a phone call from Walter in San Antonio on line one. Walter, thanks for calling, you're on the air. Pastor Ron, uh, thank you, yes. God bless you for all thank your you. ministry. Um, I had a question for you. Um, when, I pray, when I pray for people, um, I was praying for all the people who, who I knew saved and uh, lost both. But um, recently, I I thought that um, the people who who refuse to accept the love gift, free love gift of our Lord Jesus Christ, um, I I put them in a different category. Actually, I prayed for people who who uh, who confess Jesus as their Savior, and I pray for for people who are saved, and then I pray for the people who are lost, and for the people who are lost, I ask uh, the Lord Jesus Christ. To uh, to deliver them from the spirit of unbelief, and then mm-hmm. the people who who are saved who profess Christ as their Savior, I have a separate prayer for them. Is is, is that right? Uh, do you think that's that's the 
correct thing to do. Uh, I forgive them both, and uh, but I just feel that they believe they belong in different categories. Uh, like according to, I believe they 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 belong into different categories, and I'm just wondering if that's right or wrong. Yeah, Walter, I think it's perfect. I uh, I break them down into categories as well. I pray for the lost, the hurting, the hungry, the broken, the needy, and the confused. Um, for some of those people, they are real Christians, uh, but they're confused about things and they're not enjoying the fullness that God has for them. Uh, some people are just so desperately broken um, that only God can put them back together. So I'm praying in those categories, but you're basically doing the same thing I'm doing just in another form. And, and I think that's the best way to pray. Um, you know, one thing that, that has helped me, and I, again, I don't think this ought to be a rule for everybody, but uh, I've, I've, I've stopped taking valuable prayer time for the generalized groups of people out there that I'm never going to meet. You know, can Lord bless the missionaries or Lord win all the lost people, those kind of things. Um, uh, there are so many people in my life uh, so many people that uh, I know enough about them to know what their prayer needs are. I want to pray, uh, at least spend my 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 the bulk of my prayer time praying specifically for them, and um, and then of course, God, you know my heart for the lost. We want revival. We want people to come. We want the last Gentile to get saved so that we can go to be with Jesus. Uh, so you can pray all of those things, but but I think your your practice of breaking them down into those categories not only makes sense, but I think it is an effective way to prayer uh, for prayer. And, and um, um, I, I do the same thing. I just do it a little differently. Paula, mm-hmm. uh, how do you pray? I mean, what's when you're praying for people, when I'm praying for people, I am um, now, I know you probably would say, Oh man, you're on your phone again, but no, I used to have my Rolodex cards and I would go through those all the time, but now I have all these contacts on my phone. I'm not calling them, uh, but as I look at all those names, especially the ones that are here all the time, um, I, I pray that way, and that way I don't forget. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and so um, just as in alphabetical order, kind of, and that's not an everyday thing, um, but my everyday prayers are, um, of course, you know, for you first, and then our kids, grandkids, people of the church in in categories, the pastors and their wives. So I'm in categories as well. Um, But then as I am at the HEB like four or five days a week, (laughs) (laughs) I got a ministry there. I have a ministry of people at at the gym where we are three to four days a week. And then wherever I go, it seems like I see somebody that reminds me of someone else and or I'll see somebody they're either full of the joy of the Lord and they're a new sister or brother in Christ that I'm just meeting. I get to pray Thanksgiving there. But for people who are hurting and there just seems to be this thing that the Lord has given me a gift for hurting people, um, that they'll just tell me their whole life story. You know, hi, how you doing? <laughs> and then I'm able to pray for them right then and there. So my, my, my prayer is a, a little bit different than yours. But I think every bit is effective. Yeah. You know, Walter, to personalize my prayers, I have a, a, a prayer wall in my my office at home. Uh, it's actually Paula's office, but she lets me keep my prayer wall <laughs> up there. Uh, and it, it's just pictures of people. On my desk right now are two pictures, probably four by six, of people that their parents brought me these pictures and said, Pastor Ron, would you put them on your prayer wall so, so that you can pray for them? And and the way I the way I do I stand in front of that prayer wall in the mornings as I'm getting ready, no matter what I'm doing, uh, I'm standing in front of that prayer wall and I'm praying. And on that wall, I've got people in groups. I've got my pastors. I've got the people in the church. But then we've got unbelievers and we've got some people that were here and then gone. And that I know them makes the prayers really, really personal. And Walter, I was inspired to do this by the Apostle Paul. You know, um, if you read Paul's epistles, especially his farewells, he's always listing the names of people that he's always praying for. Not huge groups of people. Now, he prays for his brothers, the Jews. If only they would get saved, he said, I even give my place in heaven. But, but that's a general prayer. 
And he was focused on even the enemies who were trying to kill him and destroy his ministry. And yet he was praying for them. But after that, he's praying personally for people that he knows. And I think God walks with us in the circles that we walk in. Um, and, And I think there's real power in praying for those people that God has brought into your life. Uh, I'm not opposed to general prayers or uh, bless everybody prayers, but the idea is the prayers are so much more meaningful when we're praying for people that we know and have some form of investment in. Uh, And Paul, as he's saying goodbye to people, I always remember you in all of my prayers. Paul would pray for entire churches of people uh, as he, as he spoke out in the first chapter of Philippians um, um, when he's signing off in Romans, um, he, he's he's praying for people that he knew, uh, even though the letter was written to people that he didn't know personally, that he hadn't met face to face. So it's just one of those things where I, I, my own opinion here is that we're much better off praying for the people in our lives that we know and praying for them with diligence, praying for them passionately. And I don't mean screaming and yelling, but I just mean praying for them with a heart that says, Lord, I want him in heaven. And uh, for me, Walter, that's what works the best. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I remember when we uh, first came here, Ron, and the church that we were a part of, uh, I was praying for those people every day, first and last name, kind of like you do, you know. And I remember the Lord said, Paula, I have people over there praying for them. Your heart needs to be here with the people here. It was just one of those. Whoa. Okay, Lord. He says, I want you invested in these that I bring you here now that you're in San Antonio, Texas. And, and don't you think, Paul, I think a part of that is is sort of germane to our calling as a pastor and pastor's wife. Mm-hmm. Um, God wants us to, to tend the flock. And so that's the, 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 the primary focus of our prayers. Mm-hmm. But, you know, we've got so many people who are sick. As your church grows, you get to know more people. I, I I don't walk through the hospitals and say, God, heal everybody. Now, when I'm there, I do. Yeah. But uh, You go to as many rooms as you can. Yeah. But the idea is, <laughs> Lord, these are the people that you brought into my life. And I think our prayer life is much more effective mm-hmm. and I think less cumbersome if we have an emotional or personal investment yeah. in the people that we're praying for. Let's go to another San Antonio call, Lester, on line two. Lester, thanks for calling. You're on the air. Well, God bless you, uh, Pastor Ron Ball. I mean, I try to spell your name. I call all, I call you A-Ball, not being rude or nothing. But <laughs> I know. I can A-Ball. Anyway, uh, I'm Afro-American, and I go to a lot of black churches, some white. You know, I'm, using, I'm not saying I'm prejudiced. But when I go to a lot of black churches, they all say doctors and professors. And, you know, and that bothers me. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, if you're a pastor, they put all these big names in front of them and look like they highfalutin. And I, I, I just want to get your input on all these doctors and lawyers. They're not no doctors. they just pastors <laughs> and ministers. And I'll let you yeah. Thank you, Lester. God bless you. Thank you for calling. I appreciate it. And my heart, Lester, is exactly the same as yours. Now, um, when, when people call themselves the Reverend Doctor or the Reverend Doctor Bishop or when, when they're putting titles on, uh, in, in many cases, I want to be fair to them before I, I answer your question. Uh, they've worked for those doctorates. They're, they're PhDs. Uh, a lot of study and a lot of effort has gone into that. Uh, and, uh, you know, I think I know guys who with their doctorates, um, who don't want to be called doctor or anything. They just, they're just Joe or Rawl or, and, and, and you know, they, they, they're not trying to draw attention to themselves. But here's what happens, and I think this is something, Lester, that the church really needs to pay attention to. We want the attention that comes from man. We want to vindicate or validate ourselves before other men and women. And that title gives us something that we can almost hold over other people. And for me personally, Lester, uh, the, 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 the privilege I have in being called Pastor Ron by so many uh, is the greatest honor in my life. If I had an earned doctorate, and I do not, 
But if I had an earned doctorate, I wouldn't want to be called doctor. Now, the thing that bothers me more than any of the titles is, is when the people call themselves reverend. Uh, that is just a, a slap in the face to me because no one is reverend but God. No one is reverend but God. And I just think we've got to get back to that place where we can walk in humility, where we can just be comfortable with who we are. I am a follower of Christ, or, or I have the privilege of being the pastor of Calvary Chapel of San Antonio. Um, that's the only thing I need. I don't insist people call me Pastor Ron. Now, people who come to the church, they call me Pastor Ron. Um, uh, but I've never told anybody they have to. I'm just Ron. Um, um, I, when people outside our church call me Pastor Ron, I just tell them, you know, I'm really not your pastor. You've got a pastor. So I just happen to be Ron, who's a pastor of a church, another church. So, uh, Lester, I agree with you. I agree with you. I think a lot of it is ego. I think a lot of it is the cry for attention. Uh, and I just think that we're better off humbling ourselves so that God doesn't have to humble us. Thank you for calling. Appreciate it very, very much. Polly, you can pick up wherever you want to now. I love him. <laughs> <laughs> I'd love to meet you, Lester, because, you know, I'm African-American, too. And so uh, there was a before we even left California, um, we had gone to several churches um, that were kind of like that as well. In fact, uh, we watched on TV uh, 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 at a black church, supposed to be Christian. They had Louis Farrakhan in their church at the pulpit. And I thought, oh, my goodness, just because he has a famous name, you're going to let somebody like that um, teach the people? You know, I think as African-Americans, we're so like we, we bought the lie that we're oppressed and we got to be bigger and better than everyone else. And so I think even when uh, Obama was running for president and that he got it, we were all so proud, you know, that that uh, there's a black president. And, you know, he's just another man like everybody else. And we need to get our eyes fixed on Jesus and not on the accolades and the titles and even saying that, I, I used to have this guy who um, I went to the black barbershop when we first came here, you know, because who's going to cut my hair now that I left California? And so this guy who was cutting my hair, Lester, um, he had maybe five or six kids all over the place, not married to any of the numbers of women that he had uh, impregnated. Uh, and but. He had on his mirror, because we do this for convenience, um, my God will supply all your needs according to his riches and glory. Okay, I say all of that to say that he said that he had the gift of preaching. And I'm thinking, you need to be quiet. And so maybe in some of these cases, these guys are those who don't just have the gift of preaching, and they want everybody to know that, that they've been to school and they have studied, and they've got these doctorates. So that, because, uh, you know, too many of the African-American churches, they just have the gift of preaching. We listen to them on the radio, and I keep saying, what are they talking about? Who are they talking about? They're just talking. And so maybe some of these guys with these titles are trying to say, you know what, I, I have studied. I have a friend who's got over his pulpit uh, a line from the Gospel of Mark, Sirs, we would see Jesus. Mm-hmm. And and everybody who stands behind that pulpit, instead of putting on a show, everybody who stands behind a pulpit, who's been given a platform by the Lord, ought to remind themselves, you know what, I want them to see Jesus. Yeah. I don't, I'm, assuming I'm not here to put on a show, I'm not here to impress anybody. I'm just a humble servant of the Lord. You know, Paula, one of my favorite um, introductions is is uh, to to a, to an epistle is by James, the Lord's half brother, um, and and he says, James, a fellow servant of God. Now, if men were writing that, Lester, in this day and age, they'd say, James, you know, I was the brother of Jesus. I grew up with him, and I'm the one who. And he would he would he would rest on all of those credentials. 
Um, but you know what? I think when he saw Jesus, when he recognized that I thought you were crazy and you appeared to me after the resurrection and I knew you were the Lord, I was the lowest of the low. And see, that's a man who then can, can, can be qualified to preach. So uh, I'm, I'm, I'm really, really um, opposed to, to, to titles. Uh, Reverend, I, I said, was the one that drives me the craziest. Uh, I think you mentioned, Paul, on, on, on African-American churches. Um, um, so few, and, and I, I, I say this generally, so few really focus on personal holiness, the need to change your life. Uh, it's not about going to church. It's not about getting people to shout back at you. It's not about uh, um, um, how many people are, are um, clapping for you. But it's a presentation of Jesus and who he is and what he expects and then teaching the people how to do it. A, a casual friend of mine who has a radio program that comes on this station right after me uh, is a man I admire so much and I wish I knew him better than I do. Uh, we have very busy lives and we don't connect. We're only a few miles apart. Uh, but Rander Draper from Maranatha Bible Church. Uh, Rander's just a great guy. He's got the joy of the Lord whenever you see him. He does he have the joy in the Lord, but you can tell that he's been with Jesus. And, um, um, you know, he doesn't preach it all the way I would. Um, he, he probably does it way better than I do. But... Um, you know, he lets the people in his church know that they're accountable to God for holy and righteous living. And he's not afraid to tell them the truth. He's, he'll talk about politics in the, in the vein of, you know, go vote. But remember, take your Bible and your biblical conscience with you when you vote. Don't vote just because somebody is somebody that appeals to you. Or don't vote because somebody's skin is the same color as yours. Vote your biblical conscience. And um, uh, obviously he's had a, a wonderful, successful ministry for a lot of years here in, in uh, the northeast part of town. And uh, I, I just admire him a great deal. And uh, one day I'd like to get together with him so maybe we could change pulpits one <laughs> Sunday a, a year every year. And, um, you know, he could come and wake our people up because I put him to sleep and I could go give his people some chance to sleep as I put him to sleep because he's more exciting than I am. But um, he's a man who really believes in and stands firm for the word of God. I like that. I'm going to ask a question, though, Pastor Ron. I'm not all that in favor of there's a white church and a black church and an Asian church and, a you know, Korean church other than language, but why do we have that? Well, a couple of things. I think there's a lot of church history in this part of the world um, where segregation was such that for people to go to church in the neighborhood, they would go and have church with people that looked just like them. Mm-hmm. I don't think, Paul, there's any excuse for it now. Now, um, having not been, of course, and I'll use Randers Church as an example again, uh, I'm certain that his church is not all black. Yeah, I am too. Yeah, so, um, um, and, and uh, we, we meet people from his church all the time, the gym and other places we go in this part of town. Um, but um, um, uh, his church is, is um, uh, as I think, primarily African-American. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I think we get comfortable in our routines. Um, but here's what we've learned here at Calvary Chapel San Antonio. If you teach the word. God will bring the people. And if God is bringing the people, your church is going to end up looking just like the city that you live in. And our church is a perfect picture of, of the greater San Antonio area. We have uh, our church is probably uh, 50% Hispanic. Um, we, we, at one time, I think the city is 11% African-American. Uh, we have way more than that in our church. We've got a bunch of white people. We've got a bunch of Asians in our church. Uh, we live in a military community, so uh, people get married. And we and, and so it's just a, uh, we, we've learned here the hard way that if you let one Filipino in your church, you can't keep the rest of them away. I know. Those those are, are my it's babies. wonderful, isn't it? I know. It, I love but it. that's what happens when you teach the word. You open your Bible, you do what God told you to do, mm-hmm. and he will bring the people that need to hear the message. And his people look like the people 
in the place we live. So, yeah, segregation in the church has long been a curse on the church. Um, unfortunately, we like comfort. We like to be comfortable around people who are just like us. It's one of the worst things that we can do individually. That's you know, sort of quenches our walk with the Lord. Mm-hmm. Uh, we need to get out and love the people that God loves. Yeah. Paula, we got less than two minutes. What? Yeah. I didn't talk about what I wanted to talk No, I'm just kidding you. <laughs> <laughs> Extend this another hour. Um, you know, talking about uh, cleansing from the inside out. Uh, well, that scripture in Hebrews 12, where it says, no discipline seems pleasant at the time, uh, but painful. And yet, uh, later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. And so for any of you out there who might have prayed along with Mama Paula, Lord, yes, cleanse me from the inside out. <laughs> <laughs> Be careful what you pray for. No, no, he's, he's going to do that anyway. But um, don't you want that, that harvest of righteousness and peace? So let the Lord train you with his discipline and, and it's a lot less painful, for it, sure. It's still painful, but it's a lot less painful. So, anyway, that's where I am. So I just share that with the whole world. God bless you guys. <laughs> hey, thanks for tuning in. You've been listening to the Date Day edition of The Word to Stand On for Life. I'm Pastor Ron Arbaugh from Calvary Chapel in San Antonio, Texas. Lord willing, I'll be back tomorrow at 4 o'clock on AM 630 The Word. Hey, if you want to do yourself a favor, stay tuned to KSLR and listen to Pastor Randy Draper. You'll be blessed, I promise. God bless you. See you then. Mm -hmm. And happy birthday, Dawn. Bye-bye. Thanks for spending this time with Calvary Chapel's The Word to Stand On for Life with Pastor Ron Arbaugh. The Word to Stand On for Life is on every weekday afternoon at 4, and Pastor Ron invites you to find out more about Calvary Chapel at calvarysa.com. The Word to Stand On for Life was sponsored by Calvary Chapel of San Antonio. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.